Last week, if you were here, we looked at how Joseph was tempted with sexual immorality, uh, pornography, and the effect that it's having on um, not just people in their personal lives, but even people in their professional lives. You'll have to go back and listen to it to get that. Um, One of the things as we were talking about that towards the end of the sermon, we know that Potiphar's wife tries to seduce Joseph, but Joseph got the heck out of there. You guys remember point number four? Get your tail out of there. You guys remember that? Flee immorality. And uh, he gets out of there. He does the right thing. Obviously, it's the right thing to flee from sexual immorality, but he ended up going to prison. He chooses the right thing, and yet he gets thrown in the slammer. And I was thinking about how Joseph isn't the only person in the history of the world, certainly not in the Bible, that gets thrown into prison for doing the right thing, for doing right things. I was thinking about Paul. In fact, there's one time where Paul in, in Acts chapter 20, he's kind of he's telling his story, he's, he's talking, and he, he says, you know, compelled by the Spirit, I'm going to go down to Jerusalem. I'm compelled by the Spirit to go to Jerusalem. And I don't know what's going to happen to me there. He says, I only know that in town after town after town, the Holy Spirit warns me that chains and tribulation await me. And he's telling, he's, it's, guys, this is the way, this is my life right here. I don't know what's going to happen. I just know the Holy Spirit. If you, if you notice, it says that the Holy Spirit compels Paul to go to places where he will experience prison and tribulation. And it's interesting that he links prison with tribulation. And that's what I want to key in on tonight is that word tribulation. Jesus himself, he says this. He's talking to his disciples. But if he's talking to his disciples then, what do we know? He's talking to his disciples now, right? He says, these things I have spoken to you so that in me you may have peace In the world, you will have, some of your translations say, in this life, you're going to have tribulation. But take courage, I have overcome the world. In me, you may have peace. In the world, you will have tribulation. And these are just two verses, this one with Paul, this one with Jesus, two of many passages of Scripture that tell us that the people of God will go through tribulation. That's the sermon title for tonight is Tribulation. So go ahead and write that down. Some of you guys are going to be glad to hear some of the things we're talking about tonight um, because everyone's going through tribulation now, maybe in the past, or you will in the future. Um, you, may go, you may be going through tribulation right now, and even though you're doing the right things. You hear what I'm talking about? You're doing the right things. You're, you're pressing in. You're trying to go further and deeper. You're trying to respond to that word that God gave Soma Church for 2016. Go further and deeper. Go further with him and deeper in him. You're doing everything right, but everything seems to be falling apart. Life is getting crazy. Life is getting chaotic. And you would like to know, how do I have peace in the midst of tribulation? And that's what we're going to ask Joseph tonight. That's my sermon and sentence, my question and sentence tonight. How do you have peace in the midst of tribulation? I believe that while Joseph was in prison, that he had peace. In the midst of that tribulation, and it was a 13-year trial, a 13-year season of being in prison, I believe that he had peace. And so let's ask him what he did. It's a long section, 
chapter 39, starting and then going through 40. It's a long section, and so I'm going to kind of recap some of the things. Some of you have probably been reading it, knowing that we're going through this series. But what we know is that Joseph was thrown into jail. We know that the Lord was with him and gave him favor with the chief jailer. The chief jailer put Joseph in charge of all the prisoners, but ended up putting Joseph in charge of everything that had to do with the jail. And, and, and in fact, it says that, um, that he didn't have to concern himself with anything that Joseph was in charge of. Does that sound familiar? Does that part of this season of his life sound familiar based upon another season of his life? Yeah, it's the same thing that happened with Potiphar. Because the Lord was with Joseph, everything that he did was blessed and he prospered in everything he did. So Pharaoh's cupbearer and Pharaoh's baker both got thrown into prison with Joseph. They offended the king. They offended Pharaoh. Study that on your own. Why did they get thrown in prison? You can find that on your own. Um, Joseph obviously was put in charge of stewarding them. He was in charge of taking care of them. And they were both confined for, it says, for quite some time. Okay, so this isn't like they got thrown into prison and a few things happened and a few days later. It says for quite some time. Now that could have been a matter of months. It could have been a matter of years, most likely months. Okay, but it says for quite some time they were in there with Joseph. And, uh, and then what happened? Here's what you see. They both, the cupbearer and the um, baker, both had a dream on the same night. And that's where we're going to pick up, okay? Genesis 40 Verse 7. It says that when Joseph came to them in the morning, because remember he took care of them, he watched over them, he was over them. When Joseph came to them in the morning and observed them, behold, they were dejected. He asked Pharaoh's officials who were with him in confinement in the master's house, why are your faces so sad? So the cupbearer and the baker, they were down, they were dejected, they were, they were sad. Joseph takes notice. He says, what's up with you, man? Why are you guys sad? Why are you so sad today? And they said to him, we have had a dream and there is no one who could interpret. These guys, even though they were Egyptian, they knew that there was something about these dreams that needed to be interpreted because they were so tense. They were, in so, they were so whatever. Um, he, Joseph said to them, do not interpretations belong to God. And then he says, tell me, your dream. Remember we said that Joseph has peace in the midst of his prison tribulation. I want you to hear me because I think the key to that peace that he had that we can look at and we can find for ourselves to have peace in our tribulation, peace in our chaos is, is literally found in that one question that he asks. He says, why are your faces so sad? Now, I want you to think about something. This is a man who had been, he grew up being hated by his brothers, right? We talked about that. His brothers throw him in the pit with the intention of killing him. They didn't end up killing him, but they did uh, sell him into slavery, okay? This is, that's got to be heartbreaking. We've talked about all this. Ends up being a slave in Egypt, Okay, and there was a little bit of an upturn for sure. He got put into Pharaoh's house. Pharaoh was uh, treated him well. He was promoted to the head of the house. But then, after eleven years of being in service with Potiphar, and we talked about last week how it seemed like every day 
Potiphar's wife was coming on to him and accuses him. He rejects her. Like, I don't want to be any part of this. Leave me alone. He, he, he ran out of the house, left his coat there. She kept his coat, started screaming. This man tried to rape me. This man tried to rape me. So Joseph was falsely accused of raping Pharaoh's daughter. And Pharaoh, who honestly, I believe personally that Pharaoh loved, I'm sorry, Potiphar loved Joseph. You're going to uh, attempt to rape on somebody? You know, what the, you know what the sentence for that was? It was death. But he wasn't put to death. He was put in prison. And I believe it's because at the end of the day, Potiphar knew Joseph's character versus his own wife's character. That's my personal opinion. It's a little bit of conjecture because it doesn't tell us that. But I believe that Potiphar loved Joseph. Okay? But still, he was unjustly thrown into prison for something that he didn't do. Now, I was thinking this week about how most people would be bitter. Some people would even find themselves in an emotional state of numbness, maybe even hateful, maybe even spiteful towards people, punishing everyone around them for the things that have happened in their own lives. But that's not what we see with Joseph. That's not the route that he chose That's not how he decided to handle his prison days, his tribulation time. He seems at peace in his tribulation. His attitude, and I want you to hear me, his attitude had a hint of something. And when you you see him ask, why are you so sad today? And then offers to help them. It tells us that there's something that he possesses. That came from a series of choices that he's made along the way. And the thing that he possesses, and I want you to hear me because this is going to set us up for the rest of tonight. What he possesses, and what you can see in that question is he possesses in his heart hope. Everybody say hope. In Romans chapter 5 verse 2, Paul says that there is a grace that we have access to by faith, and that faith and grace in our lives allows us to hope in, that's what it says, allows us to hope in the glory of God. In other words, to know that we know that we know that God's going to work all this out. The very next thing it says tells us what I believe Joseph, in his heart, honed in on that led him to the hope that he has. It's a bit of a formula. I want you to look at it. Verse 3, Romans 5, verse 3. It says, and not only that, not only the rejoice in the hope of the glory of God, not only that, but we also glory in tribulations. Knowing that tribulation produces perseverance. And perseverance, character. And character produces what? Hope. And it says, and hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out within our hearts through the Holy Spirit who was given to us. Remember that I said that the hope that Joseph had came as a result of a series of choices that he made along the way. Romans 5 tells us what those choices must have been. And so that's what we're going to, when we're asking Joseph, how do you have peace in the midst of, in the midst of tribulation? These are, this, I think this is what he would tell you, okay? And we're going to get the, the bulk of the answer at the end. But here's the things that I would, I think, led to him um, having the hope, having the peace that he had, okay? The first thing that Joseph, Joseph must have done is he must have treasured 
in his tribulation. The way you can write it down is treasure your tribulation. He says, not only that, but we also glory in tribulation. The interesting thing about this word glory is that it actually can mean rejoice. We think glory like, oh, glory, and I float around in tribulation. No, it means that I, I rejoice. It can even mean to boast in. I'm, I'm, I'm pumped about my tribulation. I'm excited about it. There's some old translations that even translate it, um, I pray for, I ask for, I wish for tribulation. How many of you are thinking, I don't think that's cool. (laughs) That's not cool. To hope for, to pray for tribulation, why would anybody ask for tribulation? And here's why. This is really important. To treasure your tribulation. Here's why. Because that word tribulation Here's all it means, oppressing, oppressing together, pressure. The ideal is a pressing. The first thing I think of is, uh, in scripture, is the wine press. I think of the olive press. You, You think about the wine press. What does the wine press do? It takes those grapes and it just squeezes the mess out of them, right? It presses them down. And what happens whenever those grapes are pressed? They're crushed. Over and over and over. Well, the juices flow out, and what do we get? Choice wine. We can treasure in our tribulation because we know that the Lord is going to press us for the purpose of producing choice wine in our lives. He doesn't want us to stay stay sour grapes. You guys, some of you, sour grapes. I love Jesus. You know? And God's like, I love you too, but I, I want to see the frown the sour scour, turn upward. I want to see you become choice wine. Think about the olive press. We did, a, we did a series called the olive press several years ago whenever we came back from Israel. And we talked about the olive press and how olives are pressed three times to get every ounce of olive oil out of it. The first press is where they would get the virgin oil, that fresh, good quality oil. But they don't stop there. They squeeze it and listen to me. They squeeze it and press it and crush it over and over and over because they want to get every ounce of oil out of that olive. And we've talked about how in scripture, oil, olive oil, oil, is symbolic of the Holy Spirit. If the Lord is crushing you, if he's bringing you through tribulation, there's one purpose that he has in mind, to get every ounce of the Holy Spirit into you and out of you. For you to display the fruits. For you to um, glorify him with your new nature. You guys hear what I'm saying? And then of course, I, you know, thinking about pressing, thinking about the pressing, I think about bench press, leg press, shoulder press, and arm press. Some of you are like, that makes me depressed. You don't want to think about exercise. But, but think, about, think about the pressing. Think about the exercise, what it does when you, are, when, you are, um, when you are putting your muscles through tribulation, through stress. What is happening? You're building your muscles. You're increasing your stamina. You're increasing your strength. The whole idea, tribulation, be putting your body through tribulation. Is you're building, you know, even in the Old Testament, when it talks about fasting, the word that they use for fasting, you know what it means in Hebrew? Affliction. It, it literally means, to, that word for fasting means affliction. In some translations, it, it just says, it doesn't say fasting, it says, and they afflicted themselves for seven days. Why? Because they wanted to get close to God. There's something about that affliction, something about that pressing that puts you further and deeper with God. 
And so you have to treasure that tribulation. You guys hear what I'm saying? I firmly believe that even though Joseph was in prison, he was in that tribulation, somewhere deep in his heart, he had learned to treasure the tribulation. And we've got to learn that too. Okay, now look what it says. We glory in tribulations, listen, knowing that tribulation produces perseverance. Okay, so if we can get the treasure in your tribulation down right, then it's almost like we get to move to another level. Okay, and that level is now we get to, now we get to experience the ability to persevere. Okay, you can almost look at uh, treasure your tribulation as just submitting to the process, okay? But whenever you persevere through the pain, that's point number two, then now you have the opportunity to endure the process. Now I get to endure, now I get to persevere. We also glory in our tribulations knowing that that tribulation, when I get that down, it's going to produce something in me and what it's going to produce is perseverance. Listen, remember what I said a while ago? Joseph was in prison for 13 years years 13 years we're 24 years into this 24 years removed from Jacob's care from his father's house 24 years 11 years in Potiphar's house 13 or so years in prison that's a long time but let me tell you Joseph I mean you can see by the way he's treating these these prisoners it's because along the way in the midst of this tribulation he didn't give up he didn't lose heart he had learned to persevere through this pain. 2 Corinthians 4, verse 16, Paul says, Therefore, we, and you have to read ahead to, or read behind to know what the therefore is therefore. But he basically simply says, we do not lose heart. That's not what we do. He's talking to believers. He's talking to the Corinthians, Christians there. We don't, that's not what we do. We don't lose heart. That's not part of our DNA. We don't lose Heart, Though our outer self is wasting away, yet our inner self is being renewed day by day. Can't you get the picture of, of Joseph? He's in, he's in prison and every day, even though he's in prison. And, and he's like, man, how did I get here? Oh, yeah, that lady, you know. Every day. You guys, every day he's being renewed day by day, day by day. Which, by the way, is what's supposed to be happening in our lives. For our light and temporary affliction... Is producing for us an eternal glory that far outweighs our troubles, far outweighs our tribulation. And then it says in verse 18 of 2 Corinthians 4, so we fix our eyes, listen, so we fix our eyes not on what's seen, but on what is unseen. Well, what does another place in Scripture tell us that's called? Fixing our eyes on what's unseen. Faith. A firm conviction. And when you can have that, what does it lead to? A hope that doesn't quit. A hope that doesn't run out. For what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. Galatians 6 verse 9. Let us not lose heart in doing good. For in due time we will reap. We will reap if we do not grow weary is what it says. Luke 8, uh, Jesus says, but the seed in the good soil... These are the ones who have heard the word in an honest and good heart, with an honest and good heart, and hold fast to it. And they bear fruit with perseverance. And you have to get that. They bear fruit with perseverance. Another way, you can flip it around and they, you could say, with perseverance, they bear fruit. 
You guys see that? You want to bear fruit? Well, the only way you do that is to persevere. It's one thing, oh, I treasure the tribulation. Come on. It's like, it's like I, I'm starting my new workout program on Monday, which is crazy because we load up on donuts on Sunday. I'm going to get them all in. But on Monday, we're, we got our tights on, we got our leggings, and we're warming up, and we're doing our thing. We're, and we, Tuesday, we're like, whew. But by Wednesday, I don't know why it's the third day, but by Wednesday, there's these, there's these feelings that we have in our muscles. And what do we say? I didn't know these muscles even existed. And we start feeling that pain and we're kind of excited to know that those muscles exist, but we're in so much pain that we decrease our intensity and pretty soon we're not even in the workout program anymore. And the very fruit that we started off with or started off to to gain, we don't see. Why? Because we didn't push through the pain. We didn't push through. I was thinking about um, childbirth. I've never done that. But my wife's done it, and I was there each time. We did it at home, you know? So some of you have done that a couple times. <laughs> some of you have done that many times. But listen, here's what Jesus says in using that example. Whenever a woman is in labor, she has pain. Can I get an amen related? Man, I figured there'd be a much bigger amen on that. <laughs> because her hour has come. There's a time for it. There's a time for tribulation, by the way. There's a time for pain. Whenever a woman is in labor, she has pain because her hour has come. When she gives birth to the child, the child is there. She no longer remembers the anguish. Why? Because of the joy that a child has been born into this world. Do you guys see that? How many of you know that when you push through a workout, you're trying to work out, you're going to run, you're going to, and it hurts. That, like day three, you start feeling it in all the places. But if, you will put, if you'll stretch good and you'll push through that, by day five, not only do you not feel all those muscles quite as bad, you've actually pushed to another level. You might be running a little harder, faster, or longer, or you might be lifting a little easier or even a little more if you'll just push through a little bit. Right? And, and every time you push a little harder, you might work out a new muscle in a new way. Or, you know, but the pain, the, the soreness actually doesn't happen as much the further you go. And pretty soon you're able to run distances and, and paces and lift things that you never thought you could. You never thought you could do that. And you're doing it with, you know, other than some respiratory things. <gasps> Your body's not really in serious pain. And all of a sudden you're starting to see the fruit. You're starting to see that slim down or that whatever it is, whatever the goal is in your life. You no longer remember the anguish because of the joy. (laughs) It's like, whoo, I lost 10 pounds. Hebrews 12, 2 says, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him, he endured the cross. Talk about tribulation. Why did he do it? For the joy set before him. The same reason a woman will go through the process of delivering that baby and push through that pain all the way to the end and then be like, wow. And then like a week later, you're like, you know that it hurt, but you're kind of like, what did that quite feel like, you know? And then you have your second when you're like, oh yeah, I remember, 
you know. For the joy set before Jesus himself, he endured the cross. In fact, Hebrews 12, if you look at the very next verse, look what it says. For consider him, talking about Jesus, consider him who has endured such hostility by sinners. Consider him so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. In other words, because Jesus endured, because he was able to do it, he was able to persevere, he was able to push through the pain, we can too. Man, again, let's hone in on that. We've been filled with the Holy Spirit of God. Scripture tells us that the same power that raised Christ from the dead, and and certainly the same Spirit that allowed him to endure all the way to the cross and bear that burden, lives inside of us. I'm not saying that we could bear the burden of the weight of the sin of the world. But what I'm saying is that the tribulations that come our way, that's what, that's what it's saying in Hebrews, so that we will not grow weary, so that we will not lose heart. James, in James chapter 1, blessed is the one who perseveres under trial. Blessed is the one because having stood the test, that person will receive the crown of life that the Lord promised to those who love him. And just before that, in James chapter 1, let let me read this and we'll go to the next one. Consider it pure joy, brothers, when you encounter trials or tribulations or sorrows, your, your version might say, of many kinds. Count it joy. There that is again. Count it joy because you know that the testing of your faith develops. Now let me pause right here. Again, going back all the way to why we would treasure the tribulation in the, to begin with. We know that this is leading toward the development of all kinds of things, really. But here's what it lists right there in, a, in another place in Scripture. James, that the testing of your faith develops perseverance. And then it goes on to say, allow perseverance to finish its work. You guys, this is, that's a word for someone tonight. You're on the edge of giving up. Listen. Allow perseverance to finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking in anything. And this leads us to the third thing. I believe that Joseph must have cared about his character. You can write that down, that you need to care about your character. Characters are a hard thing to talk about um, from a biblical standpoint because you only see the word character twice in Scripture. You see it um, You see it right here in Romans chapter 5 where it says, We also glory in tribulations, knowing that tribulation produces perseverance. And perseverance, if you'll push through the pain, what it will produce in you is character. Okay, that's one place that it says. And and, uh, another place is in Hebrews chapter 13. It says, make sure your character is free from the love of money, being content and all that stuff. But it's not a word that we see a whole lot. In Romans 5 when it talks about um, produces character, it's actually a word that, that just means, um, well, what it means is your godly character. Like if you look at the one in Hebrews 13, it just, it's a different word for character altogether. It just means the manner of life, the way that you live, the manner of living, the way that you carry yourself, the way you conduct your life. Here in, in uh, Romans where it says that, that perseverance will produce character, it's a different word. And it, it's talking about um, acceptable character, pleasing character character. When you are able to push through the pain in in anything, on the other end of it, you're a different person. Can I just say it that way? I think this is, Melissa and I talk about that, how that's true of, of childbirth, labor. When you labor through that pain, on the other end of that labor, you women are not the same ladies. 
How many of you would agree with that? You're like, you have no idea. (laughs) But think about just that analogy. Pushing through the pain, travailing, whether it's a one-hour labor or a 10-hour labor. It doesn't matter. It hurts. On the other end of that, you are not the same. There's something different about you. There's a deeper understanding. There's some sort of revelation that comes from travailing through that pain. You're different, and it's produced something in you. It's produced some character in you. Hebrews 5.8 says that even Jesus learned obedience, which is a, a characteristic, a pleasing characteristic to God. Even Jesus himself learned the character of obedience through suffering. And again, in James, allow perseverance to finish its work so that you may be mature and complete. That's, that's really a description of our character. Mature, complete, pleasing. Scripture talks about the way that we are supposed to live and be acceptable to God in a thousand different ways. All of it could be summed up with character. You want that, you've got to push through. You've got to push through the whatever the pain is, whatever you're going through. The next thing, and I've got two more. I'm going, to try, I'm going to try to go through these quickly. The next one has to do with hope. And this one is hold on to hope. Hold on to hope. If you were going through tribulation, I believe Joseph, as he was going through the prison tribulation, you got to hold on to hope. So what it says next, not that we, uh, not only that, but we also glory in our tribulations, knowing that tribulation produces perseverance. Perseverance produces character. Character is going to produce hope. Character is going to produce inside of you a hope. I love it because Paul is someone that's obviously working on his character. He's always trying to, he he says, I'm the chief sinner, but I'm trying not to be. I do what I don't want to do, and I don't do what I want to do. And he's like, oh, I'm really trying to work this thing out. I'm really trying to have that godly character. And I love it what he says in Philippians 3. Not that I've already obtained all this, because he just said a lot of nice, fluffy things, admonishing the people to be this or to be that. And he says, I'm not saying that I've obtained all this. Not that I've obtained all this, or I've even, I've already been made perfect. Listen to what he says, but I press on to take hold of that which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers, I don't consider myself yet to have laid hold of it. But one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining for what is ahead. I'm straining for what I hope for. I'm straining for what my faith tells me exists. And in that faith, I have a hope we've already talked about. I press on towards the goal to win the prize of of God's heavenly or upward calling in Christ Jesus. Listen, you guys, and, and I'm, I don't know if I mentioned this scripture earlier, but, but we have something that the world doesn't have, and we've got to hold on to it. You know what that is? Very simply put, Christ. He is in us, and he is called the what? The hope of glory. We have to hold on to that. Hold on to the hope of glory. Hebrews six nineteen. this hope that we have as an anchor to our soul. It talks about that, that hope is like an anchor for us. If we'll hold on to it. What happens if you, if you um, throw the anchor over the boat, boat, uh, boat in the midst of a storm? Uh-oh, we forgot to tie the anchor off. What good is the anchor? We're going to be tossed and, and turned and, and we're not going to be anchored. It's the same thing in our faith. Christ in us, the hope of glory. Listen, we will try to focus on any and everything to try to get through the tribulation and the storm. We will get advice here, 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 everything except for going to the anchor. Christ in us, the hope of glory. 
and praying in the, in the power of the Holy Spirit. What am I supposed to do? What, how do I handle this? Um, pressing into who he is and anchoring ourselves in him. Hold on to hope. Hold on to Christ in us. This hope that we have is an anchor for our soul. Now listen, and this is, where we're, this is where I want to get to as it relates to these guys. We know that he had hope. We know that he had hope. At the end of the day, this is, this is, this is how we know that he had this kind of formula going in his life because he had hope. And the only way he could have had hope is if he had gone through this Romans 5 process. Do you guys see that? Tribulation, perseverance, persevered, had a good attitude. That perseverance built his character and it filled him with hope. And this day that he sees others hopeless, here's what he does. He handed out his hope. And that's, what, that's my last thing. Hand out your hope. It says hope doesn't disappoint. Character produces hope and hope doesn't disappoint because the love of God has been poured out within our hearts through the Holy Spirit who was given to us. He says, why are your faces so sad today? I mean, who does that? Only somebody that's concerned. Only somebody who himself has been through trials and knows how hard life can be. Oh, isn't it God that interprets dreams? Let me tell you about God. Tell, tell me the dreams and I will help you. He was filled with hope and he... And he and he helped. And Paul talks about this in 2 Corinthians. He said, God who comforts us all in our tribulations. Listen, he comforts us in our tribulations so that we may be able to comfort those who are in trouble. We comfort others because we ourselves have been comforted. First Peter, Peter tells us that we, are, we should always be ready and willing to give an account for what? The hope that is in us. So we're looking at Joseph's life and we're like, this guy was filled with hope. And he was willing to offer it to those guys. Second Timothy talks about preach the word, be instant in season and out of season, right? Preach the word. What, what is it when someone's preaching, what are they doing? They're sharing the gospel of hope, right? Preach the word, be instant in season and out of season. The greatest thing that we can do when we are faced with a trial, and it all kind of boils down to this, but the only way you can do it is if you have developed these other things that Joseph did along the way that we see in Romans chapter five. Listen, everybody listen. This is it. This is the take home. At the end of the day, if you really want to make it through your trial, do what he did. Observe them. Behold, they were dejected. And he asked them, why are your faces so sad? And then he declared, do not interpretations belong to God? In other words, does not the solution belong to God? When you are in the midst of your tribulation, when you are in the midst of your tribulation, try not to focus on it so much. Look around you and see how you can be a help to someone else. How can you offer hope to someone else. Romans 12, 12 says, rejoicing in hope, persevering in tribulation, devoted to prayer. <laughs> I love that. Let's do this. Let's stand. What we're going to do to close tonight, Becca's going to come and you know, the, the night before Jesus was crucified, 
we know that he, he um, had the last supper with his disciples and they took the bread and they took the wine. We're going to do that tonight. But, you know, part of that whole scene is he was telling them. I want you guys to hear me. He was telling them, guys, I'm about to suffer. And they were like, what are you talking about? If you remember, you read. Right before they took communion, he was trying to tell them, I'm about to suffer. I'm about to die. I'm about to go to the cross. I'm about to experience my time. It's time. It's time for me. It's my time. In fact, I think he even says, my time has come. And he says, it's okay. And this isn't going to make sense to you now, but it will later. And here's what I, when it all starts to make sense, here's what I want you to do. And then he showed them how to take communion, what we know as communion. And so tonight... I know that many people might be going through trials, difficulties of their own. Some of you guys are travailing through things together as families, as, as life groups, and that's awesome. Tonight, what, what I would love to see is us take communion, and I want to encourage you in your prayers as you are doing this to remember Christ. I want you to remember his tribulation and remember what we just read, that because he endured the cross. We are able to endure whatever it is that we are going through. Amen. So let's bow our head. Becca's going to minister in music. Lord, I thank you for your word. I thank you tonight that as we take communion, there is a transaction. There is a deposit that will happen in the spirit. Lord, that, um, that as we take the bread that represents your body that was beaten and bruised and broken, that, um, that you are going to minister to us, our physical bodies. Lord, we, as we take, um, as we take the, the juice that represents your blood that was poured out, Lord, we know that you are going to minister to the spiritual needs. Lord, the, um, the spiritual, the emotional needs. Lord, every area of tribulation that we are encountering in our lives, Lord, that we can do this to remember you. And I pray that tonight you will deposit strength the ability to persevere. I pray that your Holy Spirit would come upon everyone in this room and that there would be, a, um, uh, again, a deposit of joy, of perseverance. And I pray these things in Jesus' name. At your own leisure, if you would go and...